oh boy, just when you thought they were turning it around in full. San Diego Padres win two out of three games this weekend against the Colorado Rockies, thanks to an offensive onslaught with tons of home runs, some pretty good bullpen showings, Tatis having a big weekend, and even Blake Snell fully transforming to Snellzilla. But we got some controversy with rain delays and some bullpen and some bad overall vibes. We're talking about a whole bunch of stuff on today's episode, guys. So let's get started. You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Monday, June 12th. As always, I am your host with sometimes occasionally, but certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. You can find me on Twitter at Javapeno, that's J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, or at L-O underscore Padres, which is where I live tweet and give more thoughts on the team and occasionally interact with you guys. Feel free to interact with me on there, too. I love getting all your tweets and your guys' responses. A lot of fun on that old account, even though I'm not always actively, you know, 100% in it, especially, particularly when there's not a game on. But still, go check that out. And if you want to see whatever I'm wearing and if you want to say hi to Pac-Man and Tatis or even my very colorful water bottle, go check out the YouTube channel, Locked On Padres. I know folks deserve uh, their podcasts and all sorts of platforms, YouTube included, if that's your thing. So go check that out. And of course, thank you for making Lockdown Padres your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Today's a funnel episode because, look, I was close. And for those who've been watching the YouTube, I was close. I thought, I'm, I can't lie to you. I thought I might have to rip off the clown, you know, headdress, uh, hat, whatever you want to call it. The jester hat, I should actually call it. It really is more of a jester hat, really. It's not even Padres colors. I, I'm, I'm working on maybe potentially getting a Padres colored one, but... I was thinking, you know, the, on Monday's episode, I'm going to dramatically take off the clown hat because Padres been playing some pretty good ball lately. You know, they they scored 10 runs against the, the Mariners, and then they started off their series against the Rockies with nine runs. Then they win a close one, and then they blow the third game, guys. Really rough stuff. So where do we start? You guys know me. I like to save my dessert for last. So we're going to talk about the positive stuff of the weekend later. But first, got to start with Sunday's game which had all the makings of a great Padres moment. They even they came up clutch in certain instances, sort of, in their own way. Uh, but unfortunately, they can't get it done. And what really stinks, like what really stinks the most about Sunday's game, aside from them losing in a pretty ridiculous way and perhaps a controversial way, is the fact that they wasted a tremendous start from Blake Snell, who, dare I say, I've, I've said it for a couple starts now that I was really concerned a few weeks back when Snell, he didn't have a great start um, and he had been using what his usual combination is that works, his fastball slider, at least historically when he's been a Padre. But instead, when he did that, it didn't end up working all that much. And then he pivoted to some other things and here we are now. But I think it was it was that start against Boston when he gave up six runs and in four innings and he had went to the fastball slider and I was really nervous. But now, now, my friends, he's been doing some different things. There was actually a, a game, it was his last start against the Cubs when he became a changeup guy. And in this game in particular, he actually uses curveball and changeup 
pretty much evenly with the slider. He only threw seven sliders, uh, to be exact. Or I'm sorry, only six sliders. And he generated 17 whiffs in total, nine on 11 swings with his curveball. And this all amounts to say that his put-away pitches were absolutely phenomenal today. He located his fastball. It wasn't rising above. Sure, you can blame that on Coors Field. But every now and then, or not on Coors Field, sure, you can blame it on being a, a poor offense in the Rockies. But he's been doing this consistently for a few weeks now. He's only allowed one earned run in his last three starts. If you want to go by last four starts, he's only allowed two earned runs. Um, he's been looking pretty sharp for a consistent amount of time now. And he's actually went deep into this game, going seven innings, only allowing one earned run on three hits. And also, most importantly, most spectacularly, despite all the curveball and all the fastball stuff, no walks. And he struck out 12, lowering his ERA on the season to 3.78. Look, this is what Bixdale does. And I was worried that it might not happen. I, I told you, against that Boston start, because typically the fastball slider, went while he's been a Padre, is what usually works for him. And since that didn't work, and then I started saying, hmm, maybe there's a reason he's the one guy that the team for some reason won't engage in uh, contract extensions with. Like, they they were like, oh, up next is Soto. Up next is Hayter. You know what I mean? Like, uh, But then Blake Snell is just sitting there like, oh, no. you don't want me, man. How come you don't want me, man? And that's what seemed to be the reason. So I was like, oh, maybe they knew. Maybe they knew after that this guy is not going to be able to rebound the same way he always does. But after today's start, it makes you wonder. I mean, he was just was freaking phenomenal. He looked awesome. And the Rockies basically only score one run against it with an Ezekiel Tovar home run in the bottom of the first. So you want to talk about slow starts? He had it in this specific game. And it was just one mistake to Ezekiel Tovar, the Rockies rookie, who's a little promising. Not, not doing too much for them so far. He's kind of like the Anthony Volpe. Uh, if, if you follow the Yankees, where like... You know, shortstop prospect, and they're, they're just not getting it done immediately. You know, it's, this is what happens. Not everybody can be Fernando, right, who we're going to talk about in a second. But um, that was it. He was great, and he deserved to get the W here. And granted, don't get me wrong, wins and losses really don't matter that much for judging who's a great pitcher. But it is unfortunate just knowing, I imagine, that pitchers must be like, damn, like, I went out there and really shoved and, and we didn't get the win. Like, it must be a little cruddy, even if I don't think wins are a good stat to judge how good pitchers are. You know what I mean? It's more like a just you're wasting that start. And the Padres really did waste a start here. Every bullpen arm gave up a run in this one. Luis Garcia gives up two on an absolute bomb. Absolute bomb home run from uh, Coco Montes, who made his, who's actually making his major league debut, if I'm not mistaken, in this game. 394 feet to deep left. Don't get me wrong, Coors Field. I get it. It's really frustrating when you play here and you feel like you get a little bit screwed on certain things, and you're just like, come on, like of all the, of all the pitches, of all the things to be home runs, right? But uh, in terms of Montes himself, his home run was expected to be a home run in 21 of 30 ballparks. The expected batting average wasn't high, but it was still expected to be a you know, a, a pretty long hit ball. Uh, Nolan Jones and Ryan McMahon, who hit home runs later uh, as well. Uh, and Ryan and Ezekiel Tovar, who I mentioned, hit the home run off Snell. Also, uh, 30 out of 30 ballparks expected uh, home run. So don't get me wrong, this wasn't just a, a Coors Field influence thing, right? The ball didn't carry out of the stadium. They genuinely hit the ball pretty hard, um, which is unfortunate. In fact, the four hardest hit balls of the top five were hit by Rockies, uh, which just shows you that the Padres, they didn't quite have the ultimate um, offensive performance, unfortunately. They actually scraped by and got a few ones in this game, specifically with a Juan Soto sacrifice fly in the top of the third. And they got Jake, who finally did something. Finally. 
<laughs> Jay Crowder with hitting a home run in the top of the fourth to put the Padres ahead, but unfortunately not enough. Like I said, the Montez home run comes in. And Hassan Kim, here's where we got to really talk. All right? You guys probably were thinking, all right, we get it, Javi. We know what happens. Blah, 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 blah. He blah, blah, blah. We like the Cronenworth home run. Snow was great. All right. Tell us something we don't know. All right. Okay. Okay. So my thoughts on the rain. <laughs> because, oh, I'm pissed. And let me, here, because it's so hard because when you're someone who is a beat writer or you're a person who is a fan of a team or you're a person who covers a team or whatever, and people make fun of announcers all the time for when their bias comes out and whatnot. But for me watching that game, it really does feel like either at the beginning of the top of the ninth, including when the Padres were up, including when they had runners on first and third, and yes, it might be harder to throw the ball. You know what I mean? Like, it might be a little bit harder for pitchers because of the rain and whatnot. What was going through my mind, and I didn't tweet it out because I was, I, I just didn't, I just didn't think to, um, like, that game should have been paused. In fact, I think it should have been paused before that. You know, you might even say, like, maybe in the, the top of the eighth, bottom of the eighth, something like that. I think that game should have been paused a little bit. And instead they don't, and you see what happened. And don't get me wrong. Here's the thing. It does end up helping the Padres, theoretically helping the Padres, because Hassan Kim scores the go-ahead run on a wild pitch in the top of the ninth to put the Padres up 4-3. And... Don't get me wrong, it's it's annoying, and Matt Carpenter actually went to second on a wild pitch. Like, there was some wild stuff here. Carpenter gets a hit, started with the Kim walk, and it did help the Padres a little bit, but still, my kind of, you know, my impression was still, what are we doing? You know what I mean? Like, why are we, why are we just, why aren't we pausing this game? It's pouring. It looks like a monsoon out there, and then you see what happens is that poor, um, what's his face? This, this pitcher for the Rockies, Justin Lawrence, uh, freaking throws a wild pitch and allows Kim to score and then they decide to continue to let the game go we have now a half inning you don't even have the excuse of being like well we're in the middle of the inning right and I know that it sounds like I'm being some Rockies fans might be like well of course you want the inning to keep going while you guys have runners on first and third to be honest with you no I actually would have been fine if we just delayed it because this is dumb you know what I mean like why are we having guys pitch like this this is stupid um, and instead, they let it happen, and it works out for the Padres, but then they keep it going, and we're in the bottom of the ninth, and you can see Tom Cosgrove, who has not given up a run all year, who, by the way, he's just been excellent. He's a young kid, kind of making his debut, you know what I mean? Like, this is his first, like, kind of time in the sun. He's having a really good season. Like I said, doesn't even hasn't even given up a run this year. He has 15 strikeouts and 15 innings. Like, he's been really solid for this team ever since being called up. A, a delightful surprise, actually. For this Padres team, uh, like really, I expected the bullpen to be good, but it's come from a couple unlikely sources with guys like Luis Garcia and Nabil Krismat falling off, right? Like it's actually been like guys like Cosgrove and Brent Honeywell a little bit, and then especially you know Hader and, and what have you. But it's just it's just funny that like he's been kind of an unexpected great thing for the Padres, and he comes in, and I'm just nervous the whole time. I'm like, are you kidding me? First couple pitches are these like really hanging inside pitches, only like 78, 79 miles per hour. And then he hangs a slider and, and Ryan McMahon takes it to the fourth deck. You know, I know there's not literally a fourth deck, but you get my point. And my first reaction was like, what the heck? And then they decide to call the game, post pause the game, specifically right after the Rockies guy ties the game. Are you kidding me? And look, I don't like being the guy who blames umps. It's kind of nauseating. 
You know, it gives me a headache to be that guy who's just yelling on Twitter or saying refs won this game, MLB rigged or NBA rigged or NFL rigged, whatever. You know what I mean? I don't like to be like the Philadelphia folk. You know what I mean? Like my, one of my best friends who's always, you know, tweeting NBA rigged because James Harden stinks for the 85th game in a row. And then he likes to blame it on the refs. Right. So I don't like to be that person. But that's patently absurd. It was a monsoon. I'm watching the game. Why was this inning allowed to happen? And yes, I will say it should have been paused beforehand. You want to pause it before Kim even took that first walk in the um, top of the ninth? Go ahead. I'm fine with that. Why are we doing this? They had to delay the game. Not for just a couple minutes. This wasn't just a little drizzle. It was delayed by like an hour and a half, an hour and 19 minutes, whatever the exact time was. This wasn't just a cheap little 20-minute uh, delay that they decided to play through. No, it was a, a pretty sizable delay. Not the craziest I've ever seen, right? Like you've seen some games get delayed for two hours or whatever. And it's just like this isn't a playoff game. This isn't the NL wild card. Like why, is, why are they holding on to this one? And it's so frustrating as a Padres fan, for you to just clearly see something like the beginning of the first, the, not the beginning, but the middle of the Spider-Man movie, when Peter Parker has to save Mary Jane in the rain and the famous upside down kissing sequence, like, what is this? I, I, I'm just, I just cannot believe that they were cool with that. And it's just a slap in the face for this poor kid to go out there and he's hanging sliders in there to Ryan McMahon, who has a decent amount of power. And then immediately after he gives up that home run, then you pull out the tarp. Like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Grounds crew, umpire crew, whoever exactly is in charge of that decision. That was absurd. And I'm not saying the Padres would have won the game or lost the game or whatever. But, like, let's be real. What is that? That is ridiculous. In my opinion, probably a little bit harder to pitch. Probably a little bit harder to pitch. Hard to get maybe a grip on the ball. These guys are always talking about their needing their rosin and everything like that, right? And then you're having him throw this this weak changeup, and Cosgrove looks down like like he has that reaction. And to me, he had the reaction of a guy who was like, "I can't, like, I, I'm sorry, like I just blew it, and I feel bad because he's been so great this year." But first batter, and then you immediately pull, pull the tart. Like that's just ridiculous. This is ridiculous, and stuff like that shouldn't be happening in baseball. It's just dumb. It's just dumb. And I've already been going too long on this, but I, I just have to get that out there uh, for sure. But uh, really quickly, guys, before we continue, I just want to take a second to talk to you about something that is really, really cool. And that is eBay Motors. Unlike the grounds crew and the umpire crew last night, these guys are awesome. A championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. Same with your vehicle, guys. Same for your vehicle. So... For parts that fit, head to eBay Motors and look for the green check when you enter the My Garage thing to see all your different parts and see whether or not they line with your vehicle. So don't worry. So that way you're, you know, even if you're a, a, a dumbo like me, it'll help you out and tell you what works. Uh, stay in the game with eBay Guaranteed Fit. eBayMotors.com. Let's ride. eBay Guaranteed Fit. Only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions do apply. Go check it out. And we're back here on today's Lockdown Padres episode that is already off to a hot start because I'm really annoyed. I really am. And f f that's not even getting into, by the way, that, that top of the ninth inning in which Trent Grisham is brought up to the plate. The defense is playing in, and for some reason, whether it's Grisham or coaches or whatever, think it's a good idea to have the guy bunt, and then he pops out. So, Which, by the way, could have resulted in more runs because then, because there was two outs, um, Juan Soto flies out. That could have been maybe an extra run there. I don't know. Like, it's just, it's just annoying that we get that extra out. Just have him swing the bat. Um, but I will also say that the fact that it's not the dumbest thing I've ever seen because 
the fact that Trent Grisham is hitting below like 200 again and he can't hit. And it is a, a it is showing you how like I was annoyed at how much you know Zip's projections and stuff were projecting this guy to be so much better as an offensive player this year simply because his hard hit rate spiked in the second half and that's all they looked at and they didn't look at the fact that he swings through more pitches down the middle than like any player on the team. Um, and, but then they project Kim, of course, to go backwards. But instead, Grisham just is who he is—a guy who can't hit, and he plays good defense. He'll be on teams for a long time, or at least a, a few years, because of that defense. But he can't hit. And it stinks. And I hate that they're in that position. But even if he can't hit, first and third, it's not like it's even first and second. First and third, it's like, what, what are we doing? You know what I mean? It's not like Grisham's going to grind a double play. He never makes contact. So that, I don't think you're worried about that. You'd be more worried about that with guys like Manny or the, the uh, former first baseman Eric Hosmer. But ridiculous stuff. And then, of course, after the rain delay, Brent Honeywell gives up the home run to Nolan Jones, which is just straight up like after a delay. But it's still frustrating. And again, I'm really mad. And I think that you guys should be too. But let me know in your comments what you thought of the whole thing. I thought it was ridiculous. But let's not only talk about that stuff. I want to talk about some positivity, folks. That's right. We got to have some positivity. Like I said, it was the return of Snellzilla. Is he ready to go? Talked about this on Friday's episode. That while, yes, Lugo is, is on the IL and he had a hot start. And yes, Waka might have a regression. And yes, this and yes, that. Well, I think guys like Darvish, Snell, and Musgrove have all shown that they're starting to get better to make up for what might be regression in the back of the rotation. That's cool. The back of the rotation has done its job. And there's a reason why Pac-Man is hanging out with me. Waka Waka, man. He's, he's, he's fantastic. Love it. And I also want to say, the bullpen game. This is what I think started to make me. And I tweeted out on Saturday where I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> I said, oh my God, do we have to start believing in the Padres again? And again, I was trying to be facetious. I was trying to be funny. I didn't actually mean I was all the way back in and then I'm not wearing my jester hat anymore. We're still in the jester phase. To be very clear, like we're still in the the comedy phase of the Padres, um, you know, just circus emporium of sadness, right? Like that is that is where we're still at. But games like Saturday made me feel excited because it was a bullpen day with Ryan Weathers taking the mound, and him and Carlton basically have a piggyback start. Five innings between the two of them, two earned runs. Four hits, no walks, and three Ks. That's not too bad for a bullpen game, especially for something that might get absurd and out of hand at a place like Coors Field. So, shafts to those two. Really cool stuff. Carlton actually has a whip below below one, by the way, which is pretty nice. And he actually had an ERA that was pretty respectable, pretty great, at 2.31, if not for the fact that the Chicago Cubs absolutely blew him up in three and a third's innings. And then in one inning, Seattle hit him up pretty bad for three runs and three walks. So, he'd actually been doing pretty well before that, but... Even still, uh, love to see that from the Padres. And then no earned runs from the bullpen for the rest of the game. So while it is easy for me to make fun of uh, the Padres and their bullpen blowing it completely and wasting Snell's start, uh, they've been pretty electric um, overall. Don't get me wrong. Like, they've been pretty great, and you love to see it. Um, So shout out to the bullpen. Josh Hader coming in here uh, on Saturday. One inning, two strikeouts, no earned runs. Tim Hill comes in for an out. Nick Martinez comes in and does what he's been doing all season, which is excelling as a bullpen guy who can even give you a couple innings if you need him to. Steven Wilson, one and two thirds. Just really, really great stuff from the bullpen. And also in this game, we get some Tatis mania. Some Tatis mania. I will mention, though, I will mention Gary Sanchez in this game does drive in a run as well. I just don't understand. I tweeted out, oh my God, why is Gary so good? It's crazy. It's crazy. And I think that, look, it's going to calm down at some point. I don't think he's going to be what he was 
those like 50 games when he got called up first for the Yankees, which I believe was in like 2017 or what have you, where he just looked like he was going to be the star and Aaron Judge hadn't been called up yet. And he had a great first season after that. Don't get me wrong. He's had good offensive years as well at catcher. But to me, it's just like, yeah, I mean, he's such a plus over Nola and Sullivan and Campizano that it's kind of like, yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't a bad move. It was just a move that worried me in the sense that, wow, we're really screwed if we have to like just hope that a waiver wire pickup can help us out a catcher. But that's been what's the case so far. So shout out to Gary. And his defensive stuff has actually been pretty okay at points. He hasn't had those like giant Gary Sanchez lapses that uh, I think he's been known for uh, for the majority of his career. As long as you're just okay for a catcher. Not okay for a catcher. He's good. He's great for a catcher by offensive standards for a catcher, right? So that's that's really cool for the pods, and it shows you how well he's been doing that they batted him cleanup, which I'm not laughing at like that decision. It's just funny. Like, that's where we're at. You know what I mean? Um, and he had another good game before this that we're going to talk about on Friday. But before we get into that, I do want to mention three for five game for Manny Machado with a double. I'm hoping. I'm hoping. He's made some good defensive plays as well. He made a nice play on in Sunday's game as well uh, after a ball hit Blake Snell, which I forgot to mention. Blake Snell pulled with 85 pitches. Some people might be wondering, you know, why, could you, why would you do that? Uh, it's a fair point, especially since that they often do let Snell get to like 100 pitches. So the game that he only has 85 and he's dealing is when he decided to take him out. I have some questions about it. My only thing might be precaution. Because he got hurt. That would be my immediate thing. And since they just used Hater on Saturday, which I just mentioned, maybe that's why they didn't want to bring him in. But I understand why it's a little bit of a weird decision by Bob Melvin. But whatever. Anyway, forgot to mention that. Um, Manny Machai, like I said, three for five. But the big hero in this game, Tatis, two for five with a huge, huge, huge two RBI double in this game in the top of the sixth inning. It ends up being the go-ahead runs and the winning runs. And it was fantastic. And... Ooh. I also want to mention that um, there's a moment in this game as well where Tatis makes a really great defensive play, nabbing out a runner, and then the very next inning, he stretches a single into the double after having this kind of like crazy slide into second base where he like he does like the split again. I've never seen a player, not never, I don't want to say never, but like it's, it's very rare that you're getting baseball players look as flexible as Tatis, where he leaves one leg off the bag and keeps the other one on. So it just shows you he's so exciting. I mean, he's great. It's been awesome having him back. I'm so freaking happy. So for him to make another great play defensively and then that next inning have a nice double, even though it didn't amount to anything, and then later in the game get the double that does amount to something, just a great Tatis game, right? Like, absolutely love to see it. And again, uh, I mean, this guy is probably lined up to be a gold glove winner. And I know that sounds crazy, but just if you look at all the diving plays he's made, the fact that he looks so springy out there, he has a great jump on the ball. He's great at throwing out runners, too. He throws out a runner. He throws out a runner in, I think it was Friday's game, actually, that we haven't talked about yet. He actually throws out the runner trying to stretch it to second base with a really perfect dart throw, um, I believe, to Xander Bogarts. Just really, really great stuff, guys. Like, I can't emphasize enough that he... You know, I mentioned Cosgrove earlier as a delightful surprise. Tatis's defense, just such a nice surprise for the team because, you know, we didn't we didn't know for sure. And I know some people say, well, he's an athlete. Why are you so surprised? Uh, just because you're a big athlete doesn't necessarily mean it's because you're fast. Doesn't mean you'll great be great defensively. You need to have a good, you know, beat on the ball. You need to have, you need, you know how to know how these things go, man. It's not so easy. Uh, but in terms of among outfielders, um, defensively so far this year, 
Um, I'm actually pulling up the numbers right now. I don't know if he's eligible just yet. Yeah, it doesn't look like Tatis is eligible among the leaders yet, but I'm going to pull up his fan graphs right now. I forgot to do this before the show, so my apologies, guys. But in terms of other players in the outfield when it comes to defensive runs saved, which is kind of like a little bit more by just right fielders, like how he compares to right fielders, while outs above average is just kind of overall seems to be more un, an all-encompassing stat. In terms of those stats, in terms of his defense this year, Tatis has been phenomenal. Like, absolutely phenomenal. In terms of outs above average, he's at a four right now among in the outfield, I should say. And then he's got nine defensive runs saved. Um, if you compare that to other people in the National League, the only one who's close in that area is Joey Weimer of the Milwaukee Brewers with six outs above average, and then Alex Call with five outs above average in terms of the National League. And then you go down to Yelich, who's actually had a pretty good season. Defensive runs saved, though, if you want to look at that, which I'm trying to do right now, um, in terms of defensive runs saved, it's a bunch of American League players. And then, you know who comes up? Fernando Tatis Jr. He is currently fourth in defensive runs saved among all outfielders. Dalton Varsho, Kevin Kiermaier, and Ramon Laureano being the only ones above him. And that four outs above average mark is great too. So just overall, man, really good stuff. Uh, really good stuff from Tatis. And it's, it's really exciting. And I think that if you want to just limit that to his position, which is right field... Um, he's been basically the best in the National League. In terms of defensive runs saved, he is number one with 10. And then in terms of outs above average, because this is also, by the way, taking into account the, the couple games when he played center field. So that might have taken a little bit of a, a chunk out of his numbers, right? He has five outs above it because he made a couple errors uh, in center field, like a bad beat on the ball. So it might have minus from, from a little bit if you take all of his outfield stats. But in terms of those two things, he's number one. Uh, in the National League, which is great. Seiya Suzuki is second uh, in the National League and outs above average for right fielders. So that's right. Even better than Mookie Betts? Oh, he might be. He might be. But granted, I will say, be careful with the defensive run save because sometimes that gets inflated with the kind of, um, you know, the, those big outfield assists that I don't think that are always going to happen throughout the season because I think that teams are testing Tatis's arm because he's new to the outfield. So rightfully they're testing him. So I think as the time goes on, I think people aren't going to test it as much. So maybe the defensive run saved might be a little bit inflated just by that, but I'm, that's not, it's just me being a nerd and overanalyzing it a bit. I might even be wrong. Defense is a little bit harder to judge and um, analyze sometimes with stats uh, in my experience anyway, but Love what he's doing. Love what he's doing. And this was his game. And you simply love to see it. So, shouts to the Padres. Yes, it wasn't the most exciting game in the world. But, hey, you know what? I love it. And also in this game, worth mentioning, Bogarts one for two with two walks. Very cool. And I believe in this game, if I can pull it up, I don't know if it was this game or the or Friday's game, he hit one of the hardest hit balls of the night, which is really big deal because it was first game back from kind of his the injury with the wrists and whatnot. And for him to hit a ball that hard for a deep double. Nice little sign. Uh, hopefully he continues it up and still can bounce back and be a more productive offensive player outside of just his, you know, just his glove, which has basically been the only thing that Bogarts has been pretty great at for the last month or so is that. So shouts to him though. Really cool stuff. Love to see it. <sighs> Before we wind down this show though, guys, before we wind it out, before we chill out, you know what I mean, on this lovely Monday morning, hopefully, I hope you guys are all enjoying, remember, free and available on all platforms this podcast is, 
I don't know why I talked like Yoda there, but you know, it, it free on all platforms. This is, uh, <laughs> you know, that, that's it's what we do. It's what we do here at Locked On Padres. Really good stuff. Um, thank you for tuning in, guys. Um, let's talk about the fun game. That's Fridays. Just to end on a good note, because again, don't get me wrong, we're not out of the the gesture phase, but still got some cool stuff uh, on Friday. It was a home run palooza, five home runs from the Padres in this game, from basically everybody you would want to hit a home run. It starts off in the first inning with Manny Machado, two-run home run. To start things off, it just feels rare that we're watching a Padres game that we could be excited about in the first inning, right? Is it just me? I don't know the Padres' offensive stats of the first inning this year or the first two innings, but it doesn't feel all that great. It feels like it's pretty, like, take your three hacks and leave. You have, you know, Soto maybe draw a walk, then Bogarts grounds out, or whatever it is, right? Like, it doesn't always seem to be all that much. And in this game, it starts off with a Manny Machado two-run home run. I'm hoping. I'm really hoping that this is the sign that Machado maybe going on the I.L., Gave him a little bit of time to work on things, and he's breaking out of a slump. At least that's what I hope. But even still, on the season, really bad slash line. 249, 298, 392. Like, again, have to emphasize, just again, he was just bad that first month. Like, really bad. Probably worse than Juan Soto. Not even probably. Worse than Juan Soto's first month. Which accrued more attention because it was like, we're not used to Juan Soto being anything less than an MVP candidate at the plate. So why is it that the Padres gave up their future and now all of a sudden he stinks? Like, it was more of that. But Machado was was far, far worse. And it wasn't just because he was hurt, right? Like, he had been bad before the injury. So hopefully this is a sign that he's heating up. I, I hope it is. I really do. Uh, Machado also had another hit in this game, which was very cool. Very, very cool. Um, but it didn't end there. Jake Cronenworth also had an RBI. Uh, in this one, a deep right single, which was great, allowing Bogarts to score. And then more home run Palooza in the top of the second inning, kind of putting the game away, or so we thought. Trent Grisham hits a home run, 403 feet, and then Gary Sanchez hits a two-run behemoth, which feels like it all but clinched the game. Again, I tweeted, like, I don't know what's going on. I said they need to hang the mural. Like, this need this guy needs to be canonized a saint immediately. I don't know what's going on, man. But again, he's a... Really good offensive catcher uh, by offensive catcher standards, right? I still think that they're based on his history and based on someone who lives on the East Coast and listens to sports talk radio and they hated Gary Sanchez for so long. There's a reason why they got rid of him and it helped the team so much. Uh, He hasn't had those defensive lapses just yet. And he's, again, he's going to calm down, I think. But the fact that he isn't right now makes the pickup worth it enough. I don't know what it is with the Padres and like these... I don't want to say vanity projects, that's a little bit mean, but these sort of, you know, not disgraced, but kind of like, you know, fallen, like cratering, um, uh, declining catchers that come to their team. You know what I mean? You had Jorge Alfaro come to the team and granted, he wasn't incredible. He didn't walk a lot. He swung at literally every pitch, like literally every pitch, but he's also a San Diego legend because he led the team in all these game winners last year. So even in its, in, in our, in his own strange way, Alfaro was like, like really good and lovely for the Padres. And Gary Sanchez has been that so far. 282, 333 on base, 718 slugging. So that's what's really carrying him. Five home runs in 11 games for the pods. Just absolutely obscene. Again, he's not going to hit like that the whole way. He's not Aaron Judge, but I'll take it for now. And if he's a guy who hits 250 with a 310 on base or 240 with a 300 on base, but he hits like 25 home runs, like that's a plus. And the bigger thing is also really pay attention to the defense. I want to see if the framing, the way he did in the Blake Snell game, is going to continue. Very curious to see how that goes. 
hasn't been a large enough sample size for me to analyze it just yet, but pay keep a close eye on that. It's going to be interesting. Anyway, he hits a home run in this game. That was rad. You also get one from uh, Fernando Tatis Jr., as if you didn't need any more. Hassan Kim also got an RBI in this game, by the way. But Tatis hits a home run 440 feet. He loves hitting against the Rockies. And I remember that back from 2020. I remember, I believe it was, if I'm not mistaken, it was, which is the one, is it Labor Day? Give me a second, guys. I'm forgetting what holidays are. It was, I believe it was Labor Day. Um, I was at a friend's place and they were playing the Rockies. I believe it was Labor Day. I believe it was. I can't remember for sure, but it felt like it was, it actually felt like it was earlier in the season, but I remember watching with my friend. It was like two outs and Tatis tied the game with a home run. You guys might remember this. It was at Coors Field. It was awesome. And then I think it was Jorge Mateo. It's the, the Jorge Mateo like, ah, like the smile he has at home plate. I thought that was on Labor Day. I could be wrong or Labor Day weekend or something like that. Um, but I'm looking at that as September 4th, and I don't I remember it being in the summer, but I don't know. It was 2020. Everything felt like the summer, and time didn't make sense, so maybe I'm forgetting. But uh, Tatis loves hitting against the the Rockies, it seems. Um, so that was really cool. Um, but but the Padres actually almost blow this for a second. Um, Brandon Dixon hits a home run as well, by the way. Again, five home runs on the night. Padres were were killing it. But the, the Padres' bullpen getting a little bit hit up in this one, Nick Martinez in particular. Thankfully, Josh Hader comes in. Shuts it down, despite getting giving up a walk and whatnot. And there is a two-run home run given up by Martinez. But they did make it scary for a second with with the, with the other runner on. I was a little bit nervous. I was like, oh, please don't pull this. Because you know the Rockies love playing against us. But thankfully, home run Palooza was big for us. All in all, not the worst series. but it And it, it sounds greedy. And it sounds really, like, spoiled. But not getting the sweep. And for it not to be... Not to happen because your bullpen comes in and literally all four relievers end up giving up a run. Two of which being mammoth behemoth shots. Uh, Nolan Jones's home run went like 472 feet to win the game. Three minutes after play resumes. It's frustrating for the bullpen to do that. And it's also frustrating because that, that game never should have... Tom Cosgrove should not have been pitching in that situation. Not because he's not good. And not because he's the wrong player for that matchup. But because it looked like it looked like the like Noah's Ark not need to be brought on the field, you know, and I'm not making fun of anything. I'm just saying like, it was ridiculous. It's just absolutely ridiculous. Is that what it's called? Noah's Ark? My apologies. I'm blanking on it. It's hard to record live shows sometimes. So my bad, but you get my point, the boat, saving the animal, whatever that thing. Um, really cool stuff. Uh, from the umpire and grounds crew. So that's really annoying. And it's also really annoying to see just dumb mistakes. Trent Grisham with the pop-up. Uh, and then you, you you waste a Blake Snell start, and then you have uh, just this ridiculous moment here in, in the inning, and the bullpen not coming in, shutting it down. Luis Garcia gave up that two-run shot, and I don't know what's happened to the guy. He used to have really nasty stuff. Looked great in the playoffs, let me tell you, as well. And he's just giving up home runs left and right. And it stinks because he actually had before then gotten eight scoreless innings. So right when we thought... He was trying, starting to turn it around. It's not a couple hits and a walk. No, it's he gives up the two-run shot. So that stinks. Uh, but all in all, not the worst series, just that with as much ground, the Padres need to make up really frustrating. And now they play against the Guardians, which I'm going to be doing a crossover preview with Jeff Ellis of Lockdown Guardians that will be up tomorrow. That should be a lot of fun. Jeff is super smart and super, super nerdy about stuff, and I love getting his insight. He does, he does a lot of, like, you know, he loves looking into the MLB draft. He's a big scout type of guy. 
you're going to like hearing from him. He's always a fun chat because he's just great at talking baseball. He's much smarter than me at this stuff, let me tell you. So looking forward to that. But my initial reflection is, hey, this Padres offense, yes, they blew up on Friday and they blew up against Seattle in that last game, which was nice. You're getting some good home runs, some timely home runs. But that Cleveland pitching staff is no joke. And I know that they have those weird rumors about them wanting to move Bieber, but I'm really curious to see how this series goes because, let me tell you, the Guardians can't really hit. Their offensive stats are pretty rough. Uh, Jose Ramirez has been on fire for them, but 21st in batting average, 24th in on-base, 27th in runs, 30th in home runs, and 28th in slugging. Like, they can't really hit. So while, yes, I know Padres fans are going to be like, all right, here we go, Cleveland's pitching is going to come in and shut us down. I wouldn't be so um, so sure of that because Cleveland has really been uh, pretty massively disappointing at 31 and 34 as well, uh, in, a, in a really weak division too. So, don't don't uh don't give up. I, I don't think this is that bad of a series. And then after that, unfortunately, they have Tampa Bay. That's where you're allowed to be pessimistic. Which I'm also planning on doing a a series recap with my guy Ulysses from Lockdown Rays. But that'll probably be next week. Um, so yeah, good stuff, good stuff, guys. Hope that you enjoyed this episode. Hope you enjoyed my rant about the water world that occurred in this game that they were still supposed to pitch in. Uh, really annoying stuff. Leave your comments in the YouTube description. Follow me on, do 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 all the, the Twitters and the Instagram, not Instagram, I don't really, res- that's my personal Instagram, whatever. But on Twitter, tweet at me, DM me, whatever. Love hearing from you guys. With that all being said, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres Podcast, the only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever your podcasts from and until next time, stay safe and, of course, stay faithful. My fire faithful homies, take care.